are listening to Perplexity. Hello, everyone. Happy 2024. While I'm taking a break from making new content for you guys, I wanted you to have an opportunity to look back, rewind a little bit, and reflect on some of the past episodes that we've done. It's been a whirlwind of a year. This is my first year doing a podcast and, you know, a lot of unknowns, a lot of fears and imposter syndrome, but I also have learned so much and you guys have been so supportive and it just means the absolute world to me. So I had this idea to just do this rewind and play you back some of my favorite stories from my family. So some of my experiences, some of my sister's experiences, my mom's and other family members. These recordings have all been featured throughout season one. So sit back and enjoy. The first story that you're going to hear is from my second episode. So going way back. And this is me talking about my found connection to Colin Davis, who I covered in episode two. So for those of you who don't remember, Colin Davis is, as far as I know, still alive today. But he allegedly murdered his ex-wife's boyfriend and attempted to murder her. This was a case out of Fort Worth, Texas in the 70s. Colin is an incredibly wealthy person with a lot of power, and at the very least, he did attempt to do a murder for hire on a judge, which ended up being a whole sting operation. So this whole case is just absolutely crazy, Um, but he was never convicted for any of the murders, but I found out that I had a connection to him just by researching this and talking to family. So listen back to hear more. That is the story of Colin Davis. And I told you guys I would tell you my connection to this case. When I started seeing how close it was to where I grew up, I figured, you know, this happened in the 70s. Let me reach out to my parents. Maybe they heard of it. So I'm going to tell you guys what I found out, okay? I text my parents, you know, have you ever heard of this case? I sent them a link and my dad texted me back and said, Your mother and I were both in first grade when this happened, so we didn't know and understand all of the details, etc., but I distinctly remember his and the Davis family name were being circulated all about because of this. My mom and dad were talking about it. Then my mom texts me and says, yes, I was actually friends with his son. Now, I'm not going to use the son's name, but my mom says that this son swore up and down that his dad was innocent and explained the whole thing to me and, um, or sorry, so I'm quoting my mom here. I want to make sure this makes sense. So he swore up and down his dad was innocent and explained the whole thing to me and my friend when we were in high school. I can't remember all the details though, because it's been so long. His son went to the same school as my friend. We hung out with him all the time. So then my mom says, Their house was nice. I was in it multiple times. I'm sorry, what? So at this point, I'm like, mom, how have you never told me this? (laughs) 
And my mom was like, yeah, my parents didn't have any problem with me going over there. No one was ever there, though, when we were there. I only remember my friend and the plethora of servant staff. And then she said, I feel like he lived with his mom at the time and they were divorced. So then my mom suggested that I ask my grandma about this because she might remember more about the case. So I did. And I found out that my grandma went to school with Karen Master, who was Colin's girlfriend at the time of all this and later became his third wife. So not only this, but my grandparents were friends after this whole trial with Colin and Karen. So she told me about a time that they flew to the governor's mansion in Alabama with Karen and Colin. It's about 15 years after the murders took place. So my grandma says, we were flying to hear the prime minister of Israel speak at a private event in Alabama. The event was wild. I had never seen so many fancy dishes and exquisite foods in all my life. Karen and Cullen were normal, friendly people who enjoyed worshiping and services with us and giving to all kinds of charities to help our world. They were also instrumental in helping two of our friends when they had an international ministry. So then my grandma starts to talk about these friends and how we, meaning me and my sister and the other grandchildren, actually went to these friends' uh, property one Thanksgiving. And I remember this. I remember one Thanksgiving, I was probably like 12 or 13, we went to a, a log cabin on the lake which I couldn't remember where it was, but I asked my grandma. She said it was off of Lake Hawkins in Tyler, Texas. And this log cabin was owned by my Mimi and Papa's friends. So we stayed at their place that Thanksgiving, and these people were involved in ministry with Cullen and Karen. And Cullen gave my grandma's friends who had this land, uh, he, he gave them the land essentially. So he donated her friend 12 to 1300 acres for their ministry. And part of this land was where these log cabins were. So when I was a child, I unknowingly stayed on land that was donated by a potential murderer. So I had an entire existential crisis while I was doing this story. I thought this would just be interesting because it was a local case and... It was a listener suggestion. You know, this listener's dad sat on the jury. I I didn't think it would go further than that. So I was pretty shocked to find out there was this connection. It still is so crazy to me every time I hear that. <laughs> I still remember the first time that I found out this connection. And then I had to, like, record everything and hold all the juicy gossip until the very end. And just the thought of my sweet, innocent grandmother being friends with a potential murderer. It's just so crazy to me. But before we get into this second story from my mom, I just wanted to say this is probably my favorite story that my mom has shared on the podcast. It's also the first one that she shared uh, on episode 11, where I talked all about out-of-body experiences. But this story just leaves me wondering 
there's a lot of questions, you know, did she really come out of her body? Was it this crazy vivid dream? And if it was just some crazy vivid dream, how did she remember so many details of the room and like exactly the position my dad was laying in next to her? Listen in. So let's dive into some out-of-body experience stories, shall we? I'm going to kick us off by playing you guys a voice message that my mom sent me. So this would have been in like the 1994 to 1995 time frame. And I was in bed one night and I just came out of my body. I just floated out of my body toward the ceiling and flipped over. And I could see myself looking down at myself laying in bed. And then I saw my husband sleeping next to me and he had his hand on his head with his elbow facing my pillow. And all I could think of was I have to get back in my body. And so I'm like reaching my hands toward my body, trying to just get back in it, get back in it. That's all I could think of. And I was reaching, reaching, and then boom, I was back in my body. And then I came gasping for air, just <gasps> like that. And then I looked over and my husband's hands was in the exact same position that I saw him in when I was floating above my body. It was the craziest thing. Okay, so my mom also emailed me, including a few more details, because the voice messages are only a minute max. So she says, I will say at that time, we were going through financial troubles, and we were trying to provide for our little girl, Kadra. Oh, that's me. And then she also said her OBE felt almost like she was swimming upstream in a river. And then when recalling how she felt when she went back into her body and how my dad was laying in the exact same position, she said, quote, that's what made it so real to me. It was just a dream. How did I see my husband in the exact same position? To this day, I'll never understand what really happened. If it was just a dream, it was the most realistic dream I've ever had. I honestly think I died in that moment. For some reason, I died and came back to life. Of course, I was perfectly healthy, and there was no reason why I should have died. So my logic side says it was just a dream. But the part of me that experienced that terrifying moment says otherwise. So along with that out-of-body experience story, I wanted to throw in this humorous story from my sleepwalking episode. This is, I believe, episode 21, where we talked all about Kenneth Park, the alleged sleepwalking murderer. But I started off with this lighthearted story about my uncle sleepwalking. And it just makes me laugh every time that I hear it. So I hope you enjoy. So first, I thought it would be fun to share a personal story. Uh, Like I said, I have never sleepwalked myself, but one of my uncles used to sleepwalk a lot. Hopefully he doesn't mind that I share this story, but (laughs) my uncle took Ambien for his sleep. And as I was doing research for this episode, I found out that it is a lot more common to sleepwalk if you take Ambien. So PSA to anyone who takes Ambien, my uncle sleptwalked really bad one time when I stayed the night at their house after he had taken his Ambien. I had slept over there. I fell asleep on the couch in their living room. 
I startled awake to the couch moving. So I'm laying on the couch and I just feel it moving all of a sudden. I'm like, what the heck? So I open my eyes and I just see like my uncle standing over me moving the couch. I was like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And he responded to me, but it didn't really make a lot of sense. He just said like, I have to move the furniture. And I think that was like the extent of the conversation he was able to have. Like, I think I tried to ask him other questions and he didn't say anything else, but he rearranged the furniture in his sleep. And my cousin ended up coming downstairs because she heard all the commotion and she had to I think shake him or talk for a pretty long time to wake him up. So that was pretty crazy. There was another time he took his Ambien and he got into an electrical switch and tried to rewire some of the electricity just in his sleep. And he had absolutely no memory of doing any of these things. So (laughs) as you can see, like this is funny because nothing happened to him, but sleepwalking can be pretty dangerous, right? Such a fun little story. And I just find the concept of sleepwalking so fascinating. So we're going to hear one last story. This one's a little bit longer, but this comes from episode 17. And this episode was really special because my sister was a guest on it. And my sister Carlisa is one of my best friends as well. Her and I are very close, and it was a great episode. She also has had a lot of really interesting experiences. So in this next clip, I'm just going to share one of those stories, uh, which is my favorite. I've told it on other podcasts before as well. Enjoy this last story. I just wanted to talk to you too because Carlisa's had some pretty cool things happen to her. You have like primitive dreams. Yeah. You've had all kinds of crazy stuff happen, but you specifically brought up the rope thing. And I did have a question about that. So I thought we could start with that. Okay. And I want to hear your perspective. Do you want me to just tell the story? Yeah, just tell the story. (laughs) Oh, gosh. I was in fourth grade at the time. Me and my neighbor, we were playing outside. He had a rope two rope swings in his tree actually one side was a really thick one and then the other side he had like just put it up last minute it was like this little thin tiny blue rope and then he uh, tied a piece of wood to the bottom of it okay so you could sit on it comfortably which I liked because the other one you know it just had the knot at the bottom so So he made this he made it okay I didn't know that yeah he did it himself and like me as a fourth grader I'm like this is totally fine like so safe put all my weight on it like it's it, the, the width was probably of like a dime so it wasn't a thick rope but I'm swinging on it we're taking turns back and forth pushing each other and he's like let's do something fun like I'm gonna spin you and then whenever I let you go like you're gonna obviously spin back the other way really really <laughs> fast so he does he's spinning me and spinning me and you know how when ropes start to spin they Twist kind of and... they, they start to knot up yeah a little cinch. bit the more and more that you're spinning it. I think we had done it a couple of times before this actually happened. Mm-hmm. So he goes back to do it again. The rope starts to kind of cinch together. Yeah. And then all of a sudden the rope snaps and it catches me by the top of my head on my hair. So at this point I'm hanging from the tree by my hair, probably what, like two or three feet above the ground. Yeah. 
And my friend was, he was short. I mean, you you knew him. He was a tiny kid. Yeah. So he tries to hold me up on his shoulders. That's not happening. I'm screaming bloody murder at yeah, this point. Yeah, I think you were even higher up. Yeah. Like, probably five, four was, to five feet. I was really high up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. Because of the shoulder distance. Yeah. yeah. And so he, I, re- I remember him saying... I'm going to run inside and get some scissors. I'm like, that's his first thought process. Bye! So I'm alone, hanging, like, in this tree, s- screaming at the top of my head. Which is what I heard. Yeah. So all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this woman, I, it's actually these two women, I see them appear on the corner of the street, and one of them runs over to me, and I remember her having long blonde hair, she wore a gray and black striped shirt, and she held me up on her shoulders. She yeah. didn't say a word the entire time. That's what I was going to ask you, is if she said anything to you. She that was my question. She didn't say anything okay. at all. And I can't even remember her face. Like, yeah. obviously, I'm kind of hanging from a tree, so I'm, yeah. like, not going to remember many details. But I remember her holding me up on her sh- on her shoulders. I don't even know how much time passed from then. It was like not even a minute. It was not even a minute. It was and, so fast. And then all of a sudden, Dad and his church and the entire church group that was over at the house were over. His Dad's friend put me on his shoulders. I remember mm-hmm. him telling the girl, you know, thank you, sweetie, we got it. Yeah. And put me up on his shoulders. Dad climbs up on top of the tree. Yeah. To cut the rope down. That's right. And. As soon as I was transferred from her shoulders to the man's shoulders, she was gone. Yeah. And I remember, like, looking up and down the street. I looked where they came from. I looked on the other side of the street. She was just gone within that instant. Yeah. I wasn't focused on that at that point because they cut the rope down. Mom starts unwinding the rope. And there goes all my hair. (laughs) <laughs> and just poor little bald spot. In my anxiety attack. <laughs> yeah, your anxiety attack. I think dad was like, Kedra, shut up. Because he's trying to keep my sister calm. Because, like, so the rope had, like, completely, like, embedded this big chunk of her hair. Like this. So right as here. he starts unraveling it, all of her hair is coming out of this rope, all the hair that's been ripped out. And so as he's unraveling the rope, I was like, oh my god! Oh my god! Look! And so I'm just making my sister even more scared. And so my dad was like, Kedra, shut up. Are you kidding? Like, stop. Yeah. But I remember hearing you scream. So basically, a little context, like Carly just said, my dad had friends over for a church group. And she's literally at the neighbors across the street in the front yard when all this happened. And I was in our backyard with my friend Julissa. And we heard like this blood curdling scream, which I think is when your hair got caught, mm-hmm. but it didn't sound like Carlisa. And I ran to the I'd, fence. I'd never screamed that loud no, before, probably. It, but it didn't even, it sounded like, like an, a woman. Like, really? that's how, yeah, it was like guttural. Like it was scary. So I ran to the fence in the backyard and like peeked my head over and I just see my sisters like from the back hanging from a tree by a rope and it appeared to be like around her head neck area so I'm freaking out and I ran through the house told my parents I'm like Carly's is hanging from a tree whatever I said and then like within seconds because we it's just right across the street we were all in the yard mm-hmm. um and it's so weird too and so the reason I was going to ask you this question is like if you heard her talking is I was at a book club recently we were talking about We got into the paranormal and the topic of angels came up. And so I told them your story. And it's so interesting, too, because my sister just described 
this angel or this woman, this ghost, whatever, to you guys, I saw someone completely different, Mm -hmm. as did my dad, as did my mom. Like, we all had very different descriptions of her, Mm -hmm. which is so wild. And the same thing in that we, but we all saw her holding you, like, by her shoulders, kind of struggling because she was short. Mm -hmm. And then she disappeared. Yeah. So we all had that, but her physical description was different. Yeah. Well, and I, I remember when we figured it out, it was later that night. And yeah. And we were all kind of just gathered in the living room just talking, talking about, about it. it. And I think it was dad that was like, oh, thank God that girl was there to like hold you up to relieve some sort of, you know, some of the pressure. Yeah. And I was like, and I can't remember how we got into physical descriptions, but I was like, I, I, I think I referred to her as that blonde girl. And mom was like, no. Yeah. Wasn't blonde. Yeah, she and wasn't I, blonde. I was like. I literally saw her holding me on her shoulders. Yes, she was. Yeah. I think mom said she had, like, short, dark hair or something. Yeah. Like, and something I completely saw, different. I saw a short Hispanic woman with her hair pulled back, and she had a baby carrier. Like, she was pushing a stroller. Yeah, I remember that. I see, I remember seeing the stroller. Okay. I, I, but it, she didn't take it with her. Well, and you said she was with someone. She was, yeah. I don't remember that. I remember she was by herself pushing the stroller. Yeah, she was with someone else. And the other person and the baby stroller stayed on that corner of the street. Remember mm-hmm. where the stop sign was? Yeah, That's where they stayed. But, like, my thing is, if this person was a real person... Right. Usually you'd stay, hang around a little bit, kind yeah. of make sure, like, okay, is everyone okay? Are you good? N- no. And she didn't say anything. Didn't say anything. And, like, so that's why I asked you, because I don't remember her saying anything. And she, this is the other thing, is, like, you guys don't know what our street looked like, but there's no way that she could have disappeared that quickly. No. Because we weren't, like, on a corner. Like, there was at least, what, I would say, like, maybe 50 feet. Yeah. At from least. From the house to the corner. Um, and then, it, obviously, if she went the other way, it would have taken her, like, a block or two to get around a corner. We so, would have seen her, like, kind of at least jogging or walking to where she was before. Yeah. I, like, I looked at the other end of the street, like I said, just... She's like your guardian angel. Yeah. So much fun recording that with my sister. I really do hope that I have the opportunity to record with her again, and hopefully we'll have more guests in 2024 if everything goes to plan. But I hope you guys enjoyed this rewind episode of My Family Stories, and I want to know what you guys want to see in the new year. What do you want from season two of Perplexity Mystery Podcast? So far, I've gotten some feedback, but the more the better. If you have topic requests, I want them. If you prefer long or short content, if you want more paranormal or more true crime, if you want more guests, uh, I want to know like what your favorite episodes were from season one and why. Uh, you can also give me constructive criticism as long as you're not rude. <laughs> but the only way that I can know what you guys want is by you telling me, right? So I'm I'm all ears. Send me your feedback. Let me know what you want. And I am happy to bring it to you in season two. But that about wraps up today's episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. And I will talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you for listening to Perplexity, a mystery podcast. Hosted, written, and produced by Kadra Brennan. 
If you enjoyed today's episode, tell the world about it by going to Apple Podcasts or Spotify and leaving a five-star review. It helps the show more than you know. Contact, support, and merch links can be found in the episode description. And if you have a story to share or a topic request, send an email to perplexitymysterypodcast at gmail.com. Cager would love to read your story on the podcast. Until next week, stay curious.